You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Good morning. It is a joy to be here. Uh, this morning, we continue on in our Follow Me series. We're at about the, width, the, the midway point uh, right now. If you remember way back to week one, uh, Pastor Carl led us through a whole series of benefits of following Jesus. And then if you are here last week, uh, Toby showed up here last week, and he uh, gave us a charge that, listen, following Jesus would be hard. Remember what he said, though? It'd be so worth it. Because remember that last week? Isn't it cool that the Lord is raising up young men in our church that can rightly handle God's word and preaching it? Man, that's such a blessing to see Toby here last week. And then uh, such a joy to be here as we continue on. Here's the sermon title for today. Simply this, following Jesus in obedience. That's what we're going after for. That's what we're going after today, following Jesus in obedience. Here's the big idea. Jesus commands immediate obedience when he calls us to follow him. So there's no excuses today. So I'd invite you to turn with me uh, to uh, the Gospel of Matthew, first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 is going to be our text this morning. Would you turn there? If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's one in the seat pocket in front of you. I would encourage you to open up your Bibles. Matthew 4, verse 18. As you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of a context for what we're going to be talking about, because what's taking place in our text right now is something massive in the history of the universe. Right now, Jesus is about to start his preaching ministry on earth as we open up our Bibles to Matthew 4, 18. So in the heavenly realms, literally, the myriads and myriads of angels and heavenly hosts and saints, they're sitting on the edge of their seat right now. They're in full anticipation. Today is the day. They've been watching Jesus for 30 years now in flesh on earth. And every day they're asking the Lord, is today the day? And the Lord's like, not today. The next day, Lord, is today the day? Not today. And then we get to this passage of scripture. Today is the day. Jesus is about to start his ministry. Here's his opening words. If you just look at verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, here's the opening line from Jesus, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The minute that comes out of his mouth, in the heavens, it is filled with victory chants. Yes, today's the day, finally. Victory is near. There would have been singing and clapping and joy and tears of joy. You know how excited it would have been in the heavenly realms? And then in the demonic realms, it's the exact opposite. No! They know that their defeat is imminent. Jesus is about to start his ministry on earth, and it is a massively big deal. So with that, let's read our text this morning. Matthew 4, verse 18 says this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, Yes, that Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and they're casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen, verse 19. And he said to them, look at this, we've got one line today, 10 words out of the mouth of Jesus. Here's what Jesus says to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
Look at verse 20. Immediately, immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And in verse 21, we see the story repeated. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. And they're in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, verse 22, they immediately registered for seminary. They've got a four-year degree in undergrad. Then they went on to get their Ph.D., Oh, your Bible doesn't say that? What's the word there? Immediately. Immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. What we learn right out of the gates this morning is that when Jesus calls our name, we drop our nets immediately and follow him. I mean now. I mean today. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not next year. What we learn from the example of the disciples, is immediately right now. Listen, that two words there from Jesus, follow me, that's not like this fluffy invitation to them, like, hey, if you guys aren't doing anything for the next three years, you want to kind of hang out with me and I will teach you. No, 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 that's not how that went down. The follow me there is a sovereign, unconditional command that demands an immediate response. And the only response, as we learn from the disciples here, is immediate obedience. So maybe you read this, and you know Jesus a little bit, or maybe you don't, and you're thinking, well, like, who does Jesus think he is here? Like, what authority does he have to, like, walk up and talk to these boys' dad and say, hey, you guys follow me. Like, drop what you're doing with your dad and come, come do my thing. What authority does Jesus have to do that? Who, who does he think he is? Well, let me just tell you who Jesus is. In case you don't know, Jesus has all the authority and power in the universe. Why? Because he's God the Son. He's the second person of the Trinity. He's the long-awaited Savior Messiah from the line of David. He's a descendant of Abraham. He's fully man, yet fully God. He's perfect in power and perfect in weakness. He's the Savior Supreme. He's the righteous judge. He's the conquering king. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the great I am. That is who Jesus is. And listen, he's setting himself up right now in this text to be the spotless lamb of God whose sacrifice on the cross would pay the penalty for my sin and for your sin for all of eternity. That's who our Savior is. And it's with that authority that he calls the disciples and he calls us to follow him. So question for you right out of the gates this morning. What is God calling you to right now in obedience, immediately and without excuse? Maybe you're thinking, was this really immediately? Like, did, surely they, they, they went home and they kissed their family goodbye and they kind of sold their business. Like, was it really uh, immediately? It's, you know, sometimes it's hard to read a passage like this. Does this really apply to us today in 2019? Is God really asking me to do stuff um, immediately? And we start to build up these barriers as to why this maybe doesn't apply to us right now. And so here's what I want to do with our time together. I, I want to, first of all, break down some barriers that we can pull out of the text this morning. I want to give us three barriers 
to following Christ in obedience. That's going to be the bulk of our time. But once we've done that, we want to look at three massive blessings to following Christ together. So first, let's look at three common barriers that we can pull right out of our text to following Christ in obedience. You guys ready? Here's the first one. The first barrier to following Christ in obedience is a big one. It's fear. I am too afraid to do what Jesus is asking me to do. And we see here the disciples, immediately, they left their boat. They literally jumped out of the boat and said, okay, we'll follow you. So I don't know where you are on your journey of following Jesus today. Maybe you've been following him for a few decades, maybe just a few days, maybe not at all. But listen, when he starts calling our, and I know this from my own experience, when he starts calling our names, he never stops like he calls us to repentance. He calls us to acknowledge our sin. He, he, he calls us to admit that he is the Savior, that he is the Messiah. But then once we do that, he still calls our names, right? He still calls us out in obedience. He still calls us to take gospel risk. And we say things like, please, Lord, don't ask me to do that. I'll do whatever, but don't ask me to do that. I don't, I don't want to be out of my comfort zone. That makes me uncomfortable. Don't make me do that, Jesus. I don't want to join a small group, Jesus. I don't want people to know I'm such a mess. Please, Lord, don't make me teach in hope, kids. I'm scared of talking in front of people. So we start building up these barriers, right? And they're almost always driven in our own fear. Please don't ask me to share the gospel with my coworkers. I don't really know how to share the gospel. Let's just keep work at work and church stuff at church. I'm too afraid to do it. How about this? I literally know nothing about the Bible, and I don't want anybody to know that. So I just won't connect with anybody. I'll just show up here and leave. I don't want people to know that I don't know my Bible. Look at the example, then, that we have from the first four disciples. If you're feeling somewhat inadequate this morning, let these guys be a helper to you in breaking down the barrier of fear. Listen, those first four disciples, they had zero qualifications to be a follower of Christ. None. They were mere fishermen, okay? They had no theological degree. They had zero job experience. I mean, when Jesus called them, he, they didn't even have police checks. I mean, if you're going to serve, you need a police check, right? Listen, they, had, they didn't even have a Bible. Now, some of these guys would go on to write parts of the Bible. So all they had was Jesus. I mean, just look at Peter alone, man. Like, if you know Peter, Peter was an interesting dude in God's word, right? Like, Peter had no idea at this point when Jesus was calling him to follow him that one day Peter would get the privilege of preaching the first ever sermon. We see that in the book of Acts. And the first time he preaches, 3,000 people get saved. Peter had no idea how God was going to use him. So imagine for a second if Peter was just too scared to get out of the boat in the first place. Imagine all the stuff Peter would have missed in his life and the Lord working through him. But Peter, to me, is 
I like Peter because I really identify with him. Like if you read through the gospel, Peter's kind of a good example of like what happens when we keep on blundering and saying the, the wrong thing at the wrong time. That's kind of Peter's example to us in the gospel. But then the Holy Spirit shows up in his life and does an amazing work through that. I find that strangely uh, comforting. Listen, um, Peter might have been afraid to follow Jesus here, but he certainly wasn't disobedient. Here's what we learn from the disciples. They didn't know the what or the where, or the how at this point, all they knew was the who. They knew who they were following. And that's a massive testimony to us this morning. Listen, we just need to know who we are following. His name is Jesus. Listen to me. Stop being afraid because you don't know the details of what Jesus is asking you to do. He will make you fishers of men. That's the promise in this passage. Don't be afraid. You know that command, don't be afraid? We see that repeated often in Scripture. It is an often repeated command. So I just want to look at four verses together to help us break down the barrier of fear. Check out this first one here. Uh, Moses. You guys remember Moses? Moses was the guy that God called him, and he was like, no, no, I don't talk well, so send somebody else. This is what Moses learned in his life. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. That's what Moses teaches us. Here, next one. David, I'm just a shepherd boy with some rocks in my pocket. What, what do you want me to do? Here's what David learned. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Both these men called by the Lord. Prophet Isaiah that's what he teaches us. Fear not. Why shouldn't we fear, Isaiah? What did you learn? Fear not. That's what the Lord says. I have redeemed you. Listen to me this morning. I have called you by name. Look at this. Look at this. You are mine. Those three words, that's for some, I know that's for someone here this morning. This week I've been praying for you. Some of you I know are so hurt and broken and you've been sinned against and it's hard for you to trust the promises of Jesus. And I just implore you this morning, look what he says to you. Fear not, I've redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Don't be afraid to trust Jesus this morning with your life. We're going to bust that barrier of fear. Here's one more. 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love. But look at this. Perfect love casts out all fear. This verse has such a special place in my heart. I want to tell you a little story about this verse from my life. It's a little bit embarrassing, but I hope it will be helpful for you this morning. And so in 2011, um, I was... Serving in this church, um, wasn't part of the staff at that point, um, but I was kind of doing my part in this church. I thought I was anyways. I was leading a small uh, group. I think I was serving in uh, Awana, and I felt like, hey, I'm doing my part in this church. And so I was asked by the leadership of this church to join them on a short-term mission trip to Romania. And as they asked me, I'm like, A, where's Romania? But B, no thanks. Like, I'm kind of doing my thing. I don't really feel like I need to do that. And they twisted my arm a little bit. So reluctantly, I, I went with them. So that's not really the embarrassing part. Here comes the embarrassing part. When we get there, 
um, I think it was a Saturday night, we found out that part of what we're going to be doing that week is evangelism door-to-door in these rural villages. So literally knocking on people's door and just say, hi, I just want to share the gospel with you. Now, as soon as I heard we were doing that, here's what I said in my heart. Uh, evangelism, uh, no, uh, not today, not ever. I am not doing that. I know what you're thinking right now. Like, Tim, aren't you our missions guy? I know, right? Like, I was afraid. And so my fear was building and building and building. And Wednesday was my turn to go do this. So Wednesday morning, here's, here's what the scene looked like. I'm in my bedroom by myself, in the corner, on my knees, crying, like crying to the Lord. Lord, please don't make me do this. Please send someone else. Give me this. I'm not doing this. I don't know how to share the gospel. I'm not equipped for this. I'm ashamed. I don't want to do this. That's my prayer. And the Lord did two amazing things in that moment. One, he sent a brother who kind of came up upon this scene, and he's like, whoa. Okay, hold on. First, let's pray. Secondly, listen, man, we're going to do this thing together, you and me. Like, just follow my lead. Um, Just, I'll go first. You go after me. Just trust the Lord in this, Tim. Don't be afraid. You can do this. You can do this. And I'm like, okay, man. You know when you're in your 30s and you're having a total break? That's me, right? Like I'm a fully grown adult having a total nervous breakdown. All right, that's the first thing that happened. He sent a brother to help. And then the second thing was this. We marched out from there into our team, uh, Devo, and a beautiful saint in our church opened up God's word to 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love. Like, Tim, if you love these people, there's no fear in that. But perfect love casts out all fear. You know, like when you grab onto a verse, like, Lord, I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love. If I perfectly love these people, you'll cast out all my fear, right? And so I took that verse and I got into the van. And an hour later, we get to this village and my heart had done a 180 degree turn. I couldn't wait to get out of the van. I couldn't wait to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I had no idea how to do it, but I was willing to do it. I'm so glad I did it. You know that that day changed the complete direction of my life in obeying Christ in that moment? So let me challenge you here this morning right now. What fear is keeping you from following Jesus in obedience today, right now? Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm going to say this with all the love that I can to you. Get out of the boat of fear and step onto the path of faith and obedience and watch what the Lord will do in you and through you. Don't miss out on what the Lord wants to do in your life because you're too scared to follow him in obedience. That's what we learned from the first four disciples. That's our first barrier, fear. Here's our second barrier, finances. You see, the disciples left their boats and were courageous to get out of them, but they also left their nets and their income behind. That's what we get from the text this morning. They immediately abandoned their nets and their boat. Did you see that this morning? And immediately followed Jesus. They left behind their family business. They left behind their source of income. They left behind their financial security for the sake of following Jesus in obedience. What a testimony to us. And they did it not when they were going bankrupt. They did it when their business was booming. One of our missionaries, Gary, pointed that out to me this week. I thought that was very helpful. So point blank, God is calling you to follow him in obedience in your finances. There's a cost to following Jesus. We learned that last week. So flat out, if you're going to follow Christ, 
Listen, it means giving over of your financial plan to him. What's yours is his when we follow him, right? We know that the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That means he owns your bank account. That means he owns the money in your bank account. He owns the deed to your house. He owns your cars. It's all his. belongs to him. And he's not going to pay your debt. He's not going to pay your mortgage. He's not going to pay your car loan. Oh, wait, he is going to pay a debt, actually. He's going to pay the only debt that we cannot pay on our own, which is our sin debt. There is nothing that we can do to solve the problem of our sin and the consequence of our sin, which is death. The only thing that can solve that is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin and giving us access to a heavenly Father once we repent and believe that. That's the only debt that he's going to pay for us. So once that debt is paid, listen, listen, there's, there's one thing I've learned as my before I came on staff here as a financial planner. So here's the one thing I've learned, okay, in 15 years of doing that. We all struggle with our finances. Every single person in this room, it's a struggle, okay? I just want to be able to afford to buy a house. And once we get the house, I just want to afford a little bit of a bigger house. And if it's not the bigger house, it's just in a better neighborhood. And then we worry about things like, how am I going to get my kids through college? And then how am I going to save some money for retirement? And blah, 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 blah. It never ends, right? This fear of our finances, it never ends. It becomes a barrier, potentially a barrier to what Christ is asking us to do. Have you ever considered that all this worry about our money is keeping us from being obedient to following Jesus? Just take stock this morning. I say this in love. Do you know that God might have a wonderful plan for your finances that doesn't currently match your plan for your finances? So let me ask you, are you living open-handedly towards the Lord so that as he puts money in one hand, you just give it out in the other hand, and it happens over and over and over again, and sometimes this hand doesn't even know what this hand is doing? Or is it the other way around? Are you this? My money! And God's putting some money in here, but he can't get any out on this side. You're saying, Lord, you can have my heart, but don't you touch my wallet. (laughs) We would never say that out loud, but man, sometimes our hearts say that, right? Look what Jesus says to the disciples. Just shortly after he calls them to leave everything, here's what he says to the disciples, thereby to us, okay? Matthew 6, 19, verse 20. These are the words of Jesus. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. We apply that verse to ourselves. Don't let your finances be a barrier to following Jesus. Maybe it's time to admit that you've been filling your boat, so to speak, with earthly treasures and it's starting to take on some water. And maybe it's time to invest in the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of man or the kingdom of self. I want to give you a really practical illustration of something that happened earlier this year in our church. Um, you heard earlier on uh, this morning that we've got a team serving in Romania right now. They're, they're leading a, a leadership camp um, for the leaders of our sister church in Brela, 
Plus, they wanted to bring another church along with them. And so when considering that, Pastor Marius phoned me up and he said, hey, Tim, we would li- really like to bring CBU along with us. But listen, they don't really have, they're brand new. They don't really have the funds in their budget to do that. We certainly don't have the funds to do that. Do you guys have funds in your, in your, in your budget for that? And I quickly looked at our budget and I'm like, Pastor Marius, we're sending a pretty small team. They don't have the ability to fundraise it. I don't have that money in the budget. I don't know what to do. So Marius is like, hey, I know what to do. Why don't we pray? And I'm like, Pastor, that's a really good idea. We should pray about this. He's like, hey, you know, the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's no big deal for him. Let's just pray about it. I think that was the day before our, our May um, monthly prayer meeting. We had a special focus on mission. If you remember, I asked you guys to pray for this camp. But I probably said something a little cheeky like, hey, if you've got five or $6,000 laying around, can we have it? Right? You guys remember that if you were here? Here's what happened right after that, immediately after that prayer meeting. Someone came up, a couple, and they had tears in their eyes. And I'm like, oh, something cool is about to happen right now. And they said, listen, like, Tim, we've been saving up for this family vacation. And it hasn't been sitting right with us about spending all that money on ourselves. And as soon as we heard that there was a need in Romania, listen, we're just going to cancel our family vacation and give that money towards um, this team so that we can see this church get poured into. And, man, they were crying, and I was trying not to cry. I was like, that's awesome. And inside my heart, I'm like, God, you're so good. You answered prayer. So right now there's a hundred people gathered together in the mountains of Romania because of a faithful family in this church. And I wish I could say this is maybe doesn't happen very often. This happens all the time in our church. You guys are so generous. It's so amazing. It's so faith building. So let me challenge you this morning. It's happening in our church. Is this happening in your family? Can you testify to this kind of stuff happening, radical obedience in your finances? Where has the Lord been calling you to share what you have with others so they too can follow Christ? Maybe one or two or three of you right now are being called to sell everything for the sake of the kingdom. Maybe he's calling you to leave mother, father, house, land, to go and be a full-time missionary where you're going to sell everything Listen part, of beco- listen, listen, part of becoming fishers of men is sacrificially giving to see those fish come in. So that's the barrier of finances. Hopefully, the Spirit is doing the work in breaking down that barrier. We've talked about fear, finances, and now let's talk about um, the barrier of family. Because the disciples in this story, they left their father and their uncle and their family behind. And maybe as soon as I say family, you're like, whoa, whoa. Like, Hamer, you can talk about me, you can talk about my money, but don't you talk about my mama. (laughs) So, okay, carefully then, I want to deal with this very carefully. This is a tricky one. I implore you right now, put yourself in the shoes of Zebedee. This morning. Do you see his name mentioned there twice? Zebedee is the father of James and John. And what we learn from John's account of this actually is that Zebedee is their dad, obviously, but he's also the uncle um, to Simon and Andrew. So this is the family business that we're talking about right here. He is the patriarch of the family fishing uh, business. And we have to assume that, that Peter, James, and John, Andrew, these guys are his top guys in the business. 
He's going to leave probably the business to these boys as they go on in the family business. And we don't know if Zebedee really knew or understood who Jesus was, but he would have had the same information that at least the boys did. Listen, John's account tells us that they all thought that this guy might be the Messiah. It's actually Luke's account of this that fills in a little bit more of the story. You know that in Luke's account? Um, as Jesus is calling the disciples to follow him in obedience, um, Jesus performs a miracle. As a, it's accounted in the Gospel of Luke. This is the miracle where Jesus says, hey, why don't you try fishing on the other side of the boat? You guys remember what happened when they did that? They hit the fish jackpot, right? Like they got the mother load of fish on that day, right? This is the single best day in the history of their family fishing business. So put yourself into the shoes of Zebedee in this moment. He's watching all this go down. Jesus walks up and he calls his boys to follow him. If I was Zebedee, here's my response. Okay, Jesus, just come here. Come here, come here. I'll put my arm around him like this. I'll be like, hey. You seem to have this uh, fishing thing figured out, man. Um, how about you follow me in the family business, and we're going to make some good money here with my boys. That would have been my plan if I was Zebedee in this moment. Listen, we don't know how Zebedee responded to all of this. I can suspect he was probably scared, and he probably wasn't necessarily agreeing with what Jesus was saying. But here's what Jesus would go on to say. This is the promise that he made. Look at this. Look at the promise here. And everyone who has left houses and brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. And my heart breaks for some of you this morning, considering family and maybe your parents. Some of you here, your parents hate the fact that you come to church. And they could care less about Jesus. And they actively oppose you coming here. Some of you, I know for sure, your families have abandoned you because of your decision to follow Jesus Christ. And I know that that's hard and that's heavy. And some of you have made massive sacrifices in your family to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Some of you are adults and your parents still have this bad influence over you. And you're walking this tightrope of trying to honor and obey your parents, but also do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. So listen to me, honor your mother and father, obey them in what is right but not to the extent that you're being disobedient to following Christ. I told you we got to be careful with this this morning. Maybe some of you need to sit down with your parents and have a tough conversation that starts something like, hey, I, I love you and I want to honor you, but this is where the Lord is calling me to go and I need you to get on board with that. Let me share with you an example from a missionary named Adoniram Judson. This guy wrote the best wedding proposal or marriage proposal in the history of the world, okay? Let me read this to you. Adoniram Judson is the first Baptist missionary from America married to Anne Hasseltine on February 5th, 1812. They boarded a boat two weeks later and headed to Burma where they had a rich marriage and a fruitful ministry. Listen, the reason why there's a church and a Bible in Burma today is because of this family. 
Massive impact for the gospel. A month after he met her, Anna Ryan wrote Anna a letter asking permission to be her suitor. And this is what as close as what we'd call today as a, a proposal. And she did not answer for several days. And when she finally did, Anne evaded the question saying that he would need to ask her parents first. Time out. Boys, if you're going to ask a girl to marry you, check in with her parents first. Okay? Anyways, back, back to the story here. Here's, just receive that. Here is the letter that Anne Ryan promptly sent her, <laughs> this letter, promptly sent to her dad. It's written in a bit of old English, but bear with me. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring, to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and suffering of a missionary life, whether you can content her, her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Listen to this. This guy knew what he was doing, man. Can you consent to all of this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home? He's talking about Jesus here. For him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of the perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God. Can you consent to all of this in the hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with the crown of righteousness, brightened with the acclamations of praise which shall resound to her Savior from heathen saved through her means from eternal woe and despair? Wow. Where are the young men and women in our day? who understand the cost of following Jesus and the fear and the finances and the cost to the family that go with that. Not just where are the young men and women, where are the moms and dads who know the cost and give permission for this? So let's assume the best of Zebedee this morning. Let's assume he gave his boys a full blessing to follow Jesus even though he knew that means his family business is now in jeopardy. Because of his obedience, look at the worldwide impact of these guys' ministry. Just consider John. How many millions and millions and millions of people have come to faith from reading the Gospel of John? Imagine if Zebedee had said no. Jesus, you're not taking my boys. Look at his faithfulness and his obedience. Thank the Lord Zebedee was obedient to Christ and not a barrier to his family being fishers of men. So kids, I'll say it again. Honor your mother and father. Obey the Lord. Parents, raise up our kids to fear the Lord. Teach them to obey God rather than men. Because this is what we know. Kids who fail to obey their parents will most likely fail to obey God. Am I right? But parents who fail to fear the Lord will most likely fail their kids and be a barrier to the gospel. Zebedee probably had a very different plan. Can we just agree? Zebedee probably had a very different plan for his kids than Jesus did. And could it be? that God might just have 
a different plan for our kids than we do. And that's hard, right? We want to protect our kids and we want to grab them in. But the reality is, we know there's a cost for our kids to following Christ. And I don't want to be a barrier to what God is trying to do in the life of my kids. Listen to me. Your family is a God-designed tool to produce fishers of men. Do you believe that this morning? So we've talked about three barriers to following Christ in obedience. Fear, finances, family. Can I just check in with you? How are you doing right now? Let's revisit our original question this morning. What is God calling you to do in obedience right now, immediately and without excuse? Do you need a minute this morning? Let's take a minute. Don't look at me. Look to the Lord. Lord, what are you calling me to do right now? Have I not been faithful with my finances? Have I just been afraid to take the next step? Just take a minute. Let's just pause. I mean, the disciples immediately followed Christ. So, Lord, what do you want me to do right now immediately? I'm just going to stop and pray. We're not done yet, but I'm just going to stop and pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, help us. God, I want to be obedient to you. I so often fail in that. God, I confess, I'm, most days I'm afraid to do what you're asking me to do. And I often am looking at my bank account to see if there's enough there. And God, I don't want to be a barrier to my kids following you because I have this wonderful plan for them that maybe doesn't match yours. Father, help us right now to be obedient to your word this morning. Amen. You know, I pray this morning that we've broken down some of these barriers to following uh, Christ. And their barriers are significant, but man, once the barriers go away, the blessing of following Christ in obedience is amazing. We don't have a ton of time this morning. I just want to look at three blessings that we can pull right out of the text of following Jesus. Here's blessing number one. Blessing number one, the blessing of a new identity. Where do you see that? Well, think about it. The minute you get saved, God promises you a brand new identity. This is the minute that you give your life over to him and you follow him for the very first time. It's the minute that you acknowledge your sin and you acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah. You're like, I've sinned against you. And I know the penalty is death. I don't want to be with you forever, Lord. That minute you're saved instantly. The old is gone. The new comes in. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anybody is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Listen, you've been made new. What a blessing. The moment you accept Christ, you're adopted into the kingdom of God, and you are now his, and nothing can snatch you away from him. 
You're made new. All of your past sin forgiven. All of your future sin is paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen, Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This life I now live, I live in the flesh, and I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Tell me that's not a blessing. Not good enough? I got one more. Blessing number two, the blessing of a new helper. Where do you see that? Well, we spent most of our time in the follow me portion of Jesus' command, but he says, I will make you fishers of men. And with the disciples, he literally walked with them for three years, right? But then he died, he ascended into heaven, proving that he was the Messiah and the Savior of the world. The minute he ascended in, he sent down his helper, the Holy Spirit. We see that in Acts 1.8. And you will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my what? Witness to Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Listen, <laughs> you have the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit living inside you, helping you to become fishers of men. That's how God is making us fishers of men. Tell me that that is not a massive blessing this morning. New identity, a helper who's going to help me, the Holy Spirit. And if that's not good enough, man, you know that God gives you the blessing of a brand new calling? No longer am I a fisherman, now I'm a fisher of men. That calling is universal for the follower of Jesus Christ. We are no longer whatever identity the world wants attached to us or job description. No, no, no. Our primary job description is seeing others come to faith and follow Jesus Christ in obedience. Tell me something this morning. Is there a greater joy on this planet than seeing the Holy Spirit at work in other people's lives and seeing them become followers of Christ? Is there a greater joy than that? There isn't. There is no greater joy to be had on this planet than seeing someone else go from death to life. And it's our new calling. We get to participate in that. Doesn't that blow your mind? It's crazy to me. The plan for evangelism, listen, the fishing of men is dependent on us, sinful, who look so much like the disciples, right? Yet God calls us to be his ambassadors, his evangelists. That to me is an amazing, amazing blessing for us this morning. So I want to leave you with this charge right now. Will you submit to the calling of Jesus in your life, in obedience, right now? And if you do that, loved ones, hang on tight and see what God is going to do in your life. It's going to be amazing. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to be oh so Worth it, loved ones. Let's be a church who is faithful and obedient to become and to make fishers of men. Let me pray and ask the Lord to help us to do that. Father, we thank you for the massive blessing that it is to be called your sons and daughters. Father, teach us to obey. Teach us to have faith. God, help us to fight fear and all the other barriers of finance and family, and we can go on and on and on. And Father, help us just to immediately, right now, without excuse, obey you and follow you and watch and watch 
what you will do in this place. Oh, Lord, be glorified, we pray today in the awesome name of your son, Jesus. Amen.